Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 307, Role-Playing Your Alignment. This is part of our 300 series covering advanced topics. And with us today, we have an adjunct professor, a guest, Johan. Johan, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm not only doing the intro this time. <laughs> Johan is a friend of mine. I don't know exactly how we met. We just played a game of StarCraft together. How did we meet? Yeah, it's a little bit out of there in the blue, isn't it? It's a mystery It's just for like we always were friends. You just showed up at one point. <laughs> Maybe we've lived nine lifetimes and somehow we just keep finding each other. We're like guy, that guy from Hancock. Yeah, and I just haven't gotten around to killing you yet this time around. So, <laughs> From nothing came something. It was just a big bang of friendship. <laughs> and there's always some sec faults that need to be cleaned out, but this one hasn't yet. Johan, uh, some of you might know him better as Greth, commentates some StarCraft, and we made some content back in the day. I'm grateful to you because you helped me cut my teeth. What a terrible saying. I don't like that saying. Why is that a saying? <laughs> uh, help me cut my teeth on producing content. I got a lot of constructive feedback about my voice, about the volume of my voice, about how good of an entertainer I was. But listen, I've taken it to heart, and uh, it's because of you that I am the fantastic producer of content that I am today. Well, I'm glad, because I never produce any content. I just speak a while and throw it on the internet without any sort of editing, so that's fine. Well, it's worked out for you so far. <laughs> yeah. Did you suggest Caleb yell a little less? Oh, well, I can't do that because it would be disingenuous because that's all i do i probably i enable <laughs> is that the him. secret should i be yelling more <laughs> i mean there's entire youtube channels that created careers because of that so yeah that's true if only i could yell more i could be like pewdiepie <laughs> well today's episode is on alignment so before we get into the nuances let's just give you a quick little breakdown in case you don't don't know what it is you need a refresher Pathfinder, like D&D that came before it, uses a 3x3 three three alignment. You get two lists of three things. The first list is lawful, neutral, and chaotic. And the second list is good, neutral, and evil. And you pick one from each list. So you can be lawful good, chaotic neutral. You can be true neutral, which is both neutral. This is the end of the non-controversial part of the episode. Because the rest <laughs> has been argued and talked about and debated for as long as the system's been introduced. Alignment is a hot button topic. The only thing we can say that's completely sterile is that it is on your character sheet. <laughs> it does appear yeah. there. When we did our episode on role-playing, your ability scores, we kind of talked about what does it look like when you have a low strength or a high strength? That is what people do. They go, what does a lawful good person do? And thus, you open up for the debate. What does that mean? Should I be controlled by my alignment? Does my alignment reflect my character? Or does my character reflect my alignment? That is maybe the primary question that gets thrown out there. In general, the axis from lawful to chaotic is your belief in personal freedoms, which is the chaotic side, versus more authoritative command of law. Good versus evil being the axis of whether or not you actually do what are considered good things in the world versus whether you are selfish and do more evil things. It is hinging on the idea that good and evil are not subjective. There are definitive good and evil things, but of course that is that is in itself open to many arguments. Yeah, immediately I was just thinking when you give your definitions, I'm like, I hate these. These are, I, what is that? All of a sudden there's the, what about all the moral quandaries of doing good, but you have to do bad to do good and all this crap. What is, define good for me, Christian, I'm ready. 
I'm not, nope, can't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> exactly. Lawful. <laughs> but what if I have my own set of laws that just happen to disagree with the country I'm living in? Dogs can never be evil. They are the quintessential good <laughs> in the world. They are never evil. They can only be corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. By man. Oh, no. uh, so I want to pose the, the question to you guys. What do you think? Do you think alignment reflects your character? Does your character reflect your alignment? Do you do things because your sheet says lawful good? Or did you write down lawful good because that's what you think your character's like? I'm going to say it is like so many things during character creation, just a point where you want to start. I think it's an important thing. Like for a lot of people is just, oh yeah, lawful good, whatever. But a lot of people who create the characters in like, okay, I want to play this kind of person. They will say, okay, let's let's try true neutral or whatever. But the only issue there is it's their, like you already said a little bit, their own interpretation of that's what I kind of want to do. And then hopefully the DM interprets it the same way. Um, because there's, I mean, I've only started DMing about a little less than a year ago and I consumed many videos. And one of them was, of course, the topic of alignment as I had a rather heavy cleric player in the group who wanted to be a priest of Kalimvar, and that has some really strong uh, connections to uh, alignment. So I had to know, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been written down, all right, and then the game started. And then, I don't know, I've got a second game going where there's literally a person constantly going like, oh, is this my alignment? Oh, is this my alignment? Oh, is this my alignment? To a point where I'm like, just forget about it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm tipping my hand a little bit, but that infuriates me. Play the I'm I don't need to hear it. All right. I don't need to hear your inner monologue. Yeah. I don't need to have when I'm at the party, the person sees the last cooking goes, I don't know. Is that really a good action? I am kind of a good character. <laughs> Just make the decision, bro. No, usually it's it, was this a good thing while they're munching on the cookie? Last <laughs> I said, I have some moral quandary with this. <laughs> Yeah, as you spend the money improving your armor. I don't should we have stolen from those orphans? I don't know. Listen, I can save more people with better armor. What can I do if I'm dead, right? It's a good action, that's all I'm saying. I think something that can be taken from what Johan just said is that there's actually kind of two points of considering your alignment. There is the point where a character enters a game, like the first time you were playing a PC. You had to write something down in your character sheet if you're using the alignment system. So you're kind of making an approximation of what you think your character is at that point, what the actions that you've made up to this point consist of. If they're a lawful good person, they're a chaotic neutral person. Then every point after that, I feel like a character can make any decision, irregardless of what their alignment says. Whether or not that is a sensible decision falls within the confines of that character's personality and determined by the story up to that point and the things that have happened to them. I don't think alignment should ever be part of a decision that a character makes going forward. It is a product of the character's actions, and I, I feel it acts mostly as an approximation, and in a game like Pathfinder, which is very simulationist, where nothing is an approximation, I think it's mostly useless. Yeah, and if they make a decision that might be outside of what they have intended before, then the DM can say, hey, by the way, you have a problem with this as a character right now. You got to sleep over this one. For me, I kind of actually agree with both you guys, which is already bad because I brought Grethon to yell at us and disappointed <laughs> already. I kind of fall on 
both sides where when I make my characters or I help new players make characters, I pick an alignment to start at. And then after each session, I make a change to my alignment based on my actions. There's a rule set we're going to be going over and I think 403 alternate alignment that I'll talk about how, why, how I shift alignment in the middle of the game. But in this way, I start out when my character is influenced by his alignment. And for the rest of the game, my game alignment is influenced by my character. And that way I can always have them in sync, which I think is important because there's a lot of rules based on your alignment, but we'll get into that later. So one of the big points when we were doing our role-playing, your ability scores, for me personally, was I kept saying, I, I never force my players to have to role-play what their ability scores are beyond what the rules are. And I fall on a similar point for alignment. I don't think you ever have to do something based on your alignment. I do not let alignment tell me to do things Mm. okay yep let's go i'm ready yeah i have a problem with that there are classes and there are types of characters that can indeed say screw our alignment i'm not gonna butt into that but if you are playing clerics or paladins with certain gifts from other beings or even warlocks with with patrons or whatever then you have not yourself to please but another entity that you're getting stuff from and if you are moving away from the values that have imbued you let's say then you're gonna have an issue maybe not with the dm but at least with the patron or the deity and that is something that needs to be taken into account i think yeah in pathfinder we have paladins who if they go away from is it lawful good christian do you know yes they have to be fully lawful good if they even just go neutral on one of those things Boom, they lose their abilities. Uh, I don't know if clerics are the same way. I don't think so. Yeah, because clerics, because there was a big argument about clerics of evil characters. That one's muddy. People are upset about that because <laughs> rules is written. You can't be a cleric of an evil god, but then they made a bunch of NPCs that are clerics of evil gods. The point, <laughs> the point is there is like rules entrenched in that. And so I see where you're, I see where you're coming from. But, but what I'm trying to say is I don't say, boy, I really want to, I don't know. I'm saying stealing because that's kind of a, a, an obvious one I think we can all get behind. Uh, I really want to steal that thing from the from the shopkeeper because I can't afford it. And I really, really want that flaming, raging, poisoning sword of doom really badly. I feel like it would help us defeat the evil monster from the sky. Oh, oh, but I'm a lawful good character. I probably shouldn't do that. No, then your problem is that your alignment isn't reflecting who you want to play as. If you want to be the kind of guy that does that then you should reconsider your alignment. I understand if you're talking about a paladin, you have maybe a couple other things to assume. But I like what you were saying, Greth, actually, about it's because I'm not being beholden to an alignment. I'm being beholden to a, a god, an entity, who's looking at me and go, okay. And then maybe you do make yeah. a decision and you find out your alignment isn't aligned with your god and you lose your, your abilities. That's, that's fine. Sure, but in that aspect... Is it the person who wants the sword or the character who wants the sword? Because if the character wants the sword and they are playing to their intelligence level, <laughs> let's say, mm -hmm. they might be able to justify this as a lawful... And this is where, of course, uh, because this is what I said when we were discussing this over Discord, this is where lawful good is like people pick it as the easy mode, as the decisions you have to make. You are constricting yourself almost... Yeah, unnaturally so. So like, oh yeah, I can't do that because I'm lawful good. So that decision is even off the table. I'd like to do it as a player, but as my character, he just can't do it. So, oh well. So the moral choices become rather easy in that respect. So maybe you push the, the, the character like, okay, you know, maybe you can justify this. Sure, you're breaking a law, which is ah, 
lawful good is that is it. That is you're going to get lightning bolted the second you step out of here. <laughs> but maybe you know, and if sure, then we go a little bit to neutral. You know, maybe even a step to chaotic, depending on what kind of evil you're fighting and what you need the sword for. You know, but again, that for that lawful good is maybe a little bit too easy mode is a hard thing to say, but maybe tutorial mode, let's say. I understand you're talking more about it as a tool for the player who maybe would have trouble otherwise role-playing this character that's very different from him. Yeah, I, I really do want the gold because I'm, I'm, I'm role-playing a game and I play it for loot, but you know, I don't think my cleric would do that or my my character. I'd see, I'm already falling into the tropes that clerics must be the good people, that my character yeah. would do that. I, I get it. I think it's fine to let your alignment reflect your character, even though it's not the way I like to do things. I think that there's just more trappings to avoid if you do it that way. For example, we have the, I think, stereotypical lawful good guy. You have to be a goody two-shoes, always obeying the letter of the law, despite its consequences, despite the law as intended, as it were. And then when you're the chaotic evil guy, you have to backstab your friends, and you're the rogue who always steals from people, even your allies, which, of course, is always going to lead to players getting mad at each other. What's funny about this is that if you do this this way, your lawful good character is going to end up attacking your fellow party members more than any anyone else because they take no quarter when somebody does something against the law even if it's their best friend or their mother they put their mother in jail sounds pretty evil to me now doesn't it hmm yeah. i'm looking at you ben her i think in that at that point your lawful your chaos and your neutral that are shown as the examples we all know and love are the extremes of that that there's still gradients in between because indeed otherwise chaos is unplayable chaos is completely unplayable in a team game which this kind of is mm-hmm. that is the extreme to where your character is allowed to go let's say like the extreme of a lawful character a lawful good character would be we did a bad thing so yeah i'm gonna go to jail and i'm going to make sure that everyone involved of my party also gets trial and actually gets convicted for the felonies that have been committed here and that's not conducive to actually playing the game that's like oh you're just gonna give us up and that's it that's that's the the party kill that's that's it game mm-hmm. over let's roll again because that's the ex- absolute extreme of that lawful character so yeah i think if you're going for the, the the chaos and the lawful you're allowed one step down now and again the guy the if you are playing a let's you know a, a chaotic evil guy ends up in a party of lawful good clerics for some reason he doesn't have to backstab him the very first chance he gets because he still has goals and he still has an intelligence like he's not just gonna stab him and run away giggling because probably he's there for a reason otherwise the dm what are you doing you know why you put that guy there Mm -hmm. there's got to be a reason somehow otherwise this is a bad script and that episode won't be made (laughs) i think we we jumped to like an exception very soon the player classes that are beholden to gods are definitely a subset of the majority of characters and definitely a subset of the majority of NPCs that would exist in a game. So yes, they're beholden to beings from outside our world, which live in literal planes of alignment energy and have to adhere to what is defined as good, as lawful, so on and so forth. But people aren't axiomatic like that. People are not beholden to be. They're not from heaven. They don't list They aren't created solely from good energy. They have their own motivations, they have their own personal battles, and from one day to the next, might have to take actions that fall wildly on one side of the spectrum or the other. How do we deal with that when it's not someone like a cleric? 
isn't that valid if you aren't beholden to one of these outer world beings? Yeah, that's that's the way I play my characters. I have them as as I'm doing actions, as I'm creating a character. I like I like acting. I like playing these characters. I don't need the alignment to help me because it feels restrictive. So I I yeah, I'm happy to to move in between. In the end of a session, I go, man, I did this wildly, wildly chaotic. Like the whole session, I was being chaotic. I'm going to move my alignment one step towards chaotic, no matter where I was already on the scale. I don't know. I think even characters that aren't beholden to that, to the well, that won't lose anything if they uh, are changing their alignment real quickly. It would have to be justified. I mean, it's possible, yes. But in from the DM seat, I'd say I want an explanation. I want to know why suddenly, Caleb, you've gone completely berserk and you're having a manic session. <laughs> what is happening <laughs> now but wouldn't that be because of the person acting out of character not necessarily acting out of alignment but then you're saying that because you're defining your character by your alignment yeah where do we where exactly are we drawing the line where does it become out of character versus out of alignment is out of alignment valid and out of character invalid or is out of alignment also an invalid thing to do and that should be posed a question from the gm this is why i always just play myself with just a little bit of a change oh i'm caleb but i'm a tiefling oh so you're always completely yeah. Hey, just before you finish that sentence, remember who who uh, owns the podcast here. Uh, okay, go on. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Censorship is already in effect. I, I understand. <laughs> All right. Listen, I don't need your chaotic neutral attitude. Oh, I am. I am perfect neutral. <laughs> I think most humans are somewhere on the true neutral spectrum of going by the rules. Yeah, I think a lot of exaggerated tropes uh, are lawful and chaotic and all that. Because th that's one of the, the pitfalls that we always get in these conversations about alignment. Like, where's the Joker? Huh? Where's the Joker? Where's Batman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a little fun game for us to play at the end that has to do with that. To answer the question, like, I think it's out of character to immediately change an alignment thing from session to session, but it's fine as long as it is justified. I think it's still a role-playing game, so you have to... If something happens from session to session, or there is a realization in the character, rather... It could be retroactive, right? So they had a bad day, they finally get their D&D session, and they're like, okay, uh, screw all of this lore stuff, I'm just gonna go kill some goblins i just need to smash some heads in mm. i need to kill people and then i think and this is the dm that i am after that session you go up to the player and say okay so now we're gonna write in that behavior because otherwise that's not cool i've done that i've very recently actually i had someone i had a deadlock in the group uh, which ended with a person leaving and it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna try and justify this and it didn't happen because Somebody wanted to be the main character, and the other players didn't want to be the sidekicks. And so he started throwing a fit in the game, basically. It can be justified. Okay, now, fine. We part ways. So I think the if you want to do the roleplay thing, it has to be an important part of the game, and you have to you know try and keep it there. I think that's what makes this discussion a discussion so many people have. Since role-playing is so important, but it's so important, it's in the title. It's a TTRPG. It's what the RP is for. It's a role-playing game. The alignment is such a hot topic. Like you were saying, you can split groups something. That me, that wasn't exactly alignment, but that was something that had some, some dealings in alignment. Ouch. Because the origin of the conflict 
was that we had a lawful good cleric, we had two neutral characters, and we had someone who hadn't really, you know, eh, now and again. Uh, actually ended up being chaotic, chaotic, neutral, borderline evil. And yeah, what happened was each session included almost an hour of alignment babble, basically. Like, I want to do this. No, we can't do that because that's evil. I need to kill those undead because I'm a cleric. Oh, but the undead aren't that bad. Was this was this conflict more of a person wanting to be an evil character in a group of non-evil players? Or was it more of a person was not role-playing their alignment well? And you, this the GM or as the players, disagreed with him? Yeah, it was like, I'm going to do this now. And really just because they wanted to as players, gotcha. as a player. See, now that, this is where we're, we're going to really disagree, because I think I, as the player, am my character's keeper, not the GM, not the other players. I don't think another player or GM should ever say, I don't think that's what a lawful good character would do. Shut up. This is what, I'm. it's my character. If I want to do it this way, this is the way I think he is. I should never have told you my alignment, because now you're just going to keep thinking in this box. You're going to keep putting me in the box. I'm going to tell you, shut up, Greth. You're a lovely person, and I love you very much. <laughs> Not you, you're an angel. No, but that's the thing. Like, okay, fine. This this may happen, but why the change of heart? Because I want to do this. No, no, no. You as a person want to do this, but your character is still, you're emulating this actual creature. Gotcha. So you're using alignment not to be his character's keeper, but to help him stay in the mindset of a character instead of a player. Yeah. And, I, and again, the alignment change can happen. That is perfectly fine. But I need something more than oh, but I want to go there now. But that implies this and this and this. I'm, I, again, I am very heavy on the story and and trying to make it realistic. So these characters... Because there's, again, this is the kind of conversation... And again, they were only level two to three when that happened. So everyone's still learning what is what this is about, learning the world as well, because I'm creating a whole campaign set. So yeah, what kind of person can survive here? If you take easy mode lawful good... That might not function in this world. So you might need to, you know, but the character need that can't change from one hour to the other. There needs to be a justification there. Let me ask you how uh, are you playing with players that are pretty new to role playing? Ironically, the guy who left was a DM himself and had played multiple versions of role playing games, and the rest were new. I, I had a, th a theory that just got thrown out the window. I think that was uh, something that maybe a lot of players who are new to TTRPGs would behave because I think over time you learn that far more interesting things or a lot of interesting things can happen on stuff that you didn't expect. I don't want to restrict myself. When you don't restrict yourself, you get more interesting things. And when you try to, to pigeonhole everything, the game kind of slows down. But I guess he never learned that lesson. Well, the, the new players actually grabbed hold of their alignment and kept it close. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Because they, it was their first steps into role playing. It's like, oh, no, I, mm -hmm. this, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is, you know, trying to develop and yeah, yeah, I've got, you know, the typical critical role watcher as well that, you know, oh, I want to build this character up into an epic uh, thing that you can write a book about. And then when confronted with actual situations like, OK, you're going to decide this in the next 10 seconds. Ah! So they <laughs> grab hold of that. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was a, a fun experience to see how they they really do need that. That's why the alignment is still important, because this is what they wrote down. This is the idea in their heads. And it's really scary to move outside of the lines, which is going to happen, but not a level two, maybe. Now, th that is one of the reasons I do have my new players pick an alignment to start at, 
to help them. But I think this is maybe too harsh a word, but I think it's a crutch that eventually needs to be left behind. It's what helps. It's the training wheels for the new player that you take off once you learn to ride the bike with only two. I'd agree. Yeah. How many of these players in the scenario were playing classes that were deific in nature and an alignment was actually like a mechanical purpose for them? At that point, well, I had the cleric and a warlock. So I had the warlock with a patron and a cleric with a deity and then the tiefling that was a DM character, let's say. And now I've got a, a neutral wizard that wants to be a necromancer with absolutely no intention of being connected to any gods or whatever. And he's going to be the biggest problem, I think, to confront <laughs> him with the cleric. That's going to be fun. But yeah, you can see like it's an archetypical thing like necromancers are cool. And then there's a guy really intent on playing the full spectrum of lawful good, which is going to be hilarious. And that, that raises the whole new question argument that raising the dead is, by definition, in the Pathfinder universe, an evil thing. Rules is written, if you raise dead, regardless of the purpose you use those undead for, that is an evil action. Is that yep. correct? Is that how alignment works? Huh. Can things be evil no matter what the intention or the expected outcome of that action? Yeah, the, the critical word there is intention, isn't it? That's the most dangerous word when talking about alliance. I think this illustrates the maybe the biggest problem I have with alignment, and certainly a problem with it, being that people have different definitions of what is good, what is evil, yada, yada, yada. So what is to say that using a spell for one reason over another reason is a good or evil act? Who gets to arbitrate that? It feels very, very bad when the GM comes down on you or a player or anyone outside of you comes down on you and tells you that was an evil act. You don't know my intentions. And even if you knew exactly my intentions, how do you get to be that arbiter? The GM gets a little more leeway because he gets to be in control of so much more of the game. So it's a little less harsh when that happens from a GM. But that is a huge problem. Definitions. If you can go, go look up. Just look up definitions of alignments and you will see lists upon lists upon lists. I think different versions of Dungeons and Dragons have different definitions of your alignment. When I help my new players pick their alignment, I show them the core rule book and I show them where this definition of alignment. And then there's like three other extended articulations of alignment in the additional Pathfinder books. There's too much. Everyone has a different idea. Yeah. So maybe the whole time your player thinks he is role-playing his alignment because that's what he thinks a good, a lawful good person does or a neutral evil person would do. It gets really sticky when you start getting into some of the neutral ones. What does a neutral evil person really do? Here's a quandary that's bouncing around in my head because we talked about deities earlier. Deities are respective alignments. Now, just like how we asked the question, is your character a bad person, therefore it makes him evil? Or is your character evil, therefore it makes him a bad person? When it comes to following the tenets of deities, are they a lawful good deity because they have tenets that which, if you follow, make you lawful good? Or do the tenets fall out from lawful good? It, because they are a lawful good deity, we are going to ascribe these tenets to them that become lawful good by factor. It's, it's all just like... An approximation, I feel. Everything's an approximation, and I feel like it's so... What am I supposed to do with this approximation of what is good and evil? Mm -hmm. we, it even says in the rules, good and evil are strictly defined things. 
Does that mean that we need to get a book that tells us each and every action, whether that can be described as good or evil? Like we have with whether or not it provokes an attack of opportunity. Please no, it's the worst decision. Exactly. Like, is that the, is that, I feel like if you need to have a system like this, if you're actually going to adhere to alignment with good and evil being definitive things, we need those definitions. The only thing we really have is, uh, race of the dead's evil for sure. And, you know, you kind of know the rest. The spells will tell you they have an evil or a good descriptor. Oh, don't give me, mm, mm. Don't get me started on <laughs> Infernal healing is an evil spell. It restores 10 hit points, but it requires a drop of devil's blood to use. Okay, what if I slayed a devil? My teammates are dying. I'm using the slain devil in the name of good's blood to heal my dying allies. Well, definitively evil thing by definition, even though everything I did was in the name of good and for the best good I could do forward, I have now done an evil thing. My permanent record is marked. Yeah, it comes at the cost. Chains of Light is a good spell, which paralyzes someone. So if I cast Chains of Lights on a random bystander and coup de gras them, now I'm a good aligned murder hobo. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good aligned spell, Christian. Don't question it. It's it's academic. It's, it's the things you study in school but are stupid. All right? It's akin to the question, are you a bad person because you do bad things? Or do you do bad things because you are a bad person? Everyone has their own answer to that question. Whole religions have answered to that question. Christianity has a definitive answer to that question. But oh, it's just like, I don't need to be playing psychoanalyst while I'm trying to kill this lich. Sure. I'd say in, in the, the chains example, that would be the last time you ever use that spell. I think. Interesting. Because the DM would would have to say, okay, your god says, uh, that was that. Thank you very much for your service and goodbye now. Because you just lost all your powers. What if you find a wand Ooh. of Chains of Light? What if you find a Ooh. scroll of Chains of Light? Now I don't have that... any connection to the Got deity. Got you, Greth. Get off the podcast. <laughs> yep. There you go. GG. Okay. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, true. But... The wand would still access the power, the, f- the filtered energy of that god is still coursing through that wand. So maybe it's, it would activate, I guess. And then that you would get a chaotic good paladin on your ass that would hunt you down because you used that. There oh, we go. I, you, li- I like I was, that. I was, now, we, now we made a story development. Me, you've turned me completely around. I was ready to yell at you. And now you've just given me this awesome story hook that now the next yeah. time I was – here's what I was about to say. I want you to see how drastic a 180 just I just made. I was going to say, aside from obviously the fringe examples of your magic is given to you by your god, aside from that – if somebody uses a good or evil spell in any way they want, I would never as a GM ever say to them, mm, you can't use that anymore now because you've just ruined that with your alignment or you didn't use that properly. I don't give a crap. Never would have done it. Never have. Never will. And then you just said that. And now I'm thinking, you know what? The person uses the chains of light to kill an innocent person because they liked their coat and wanted their coat and they wouldn't give it to them. Hmm. You know what? There is now a paladin. God, boof. Shot down a beam of light, and a paladin is walking the earth now, searching for them, and it's going to it's going to make sure they know what they did wrong. That's amazing. Now I need to do that. Let me write down that idea <laughs> real quick, and saved. And that's an excellent way to handle it from a GM perspective. Make it into a story element. Don't just make it that they you can't do it anymore. Because in fact, let's not forget that you can use the use magic device skill to emulate any alignment. You could be a chaotic or evil person. Make a use magic device check. Use a good wand. Your player will definitely argue with you if they know that. If you just said, well, the wand doesn't work. You're going to cause a little bit of a conniption possibly if you have a rules lawyer in your midst. 
I think this is part of why I react so viscerally against uh, sort of the way you've been talking about doing things, Greth, uh, Johan. I mm-hmm. called you Johan at the beginning, and now I'm starting to call you Greth. Yeah, that's all right. The, pl- the, the listeners are confused. Now there's two guests. They all sound they sound <laughs> the same. Is he from, from Bulgaria or Belgium? I don't know. One is clearly better than the other. Well, there, there's power in true names, so don't waste them. <laughs> <laughs> It's a difference between telling your player as a GM, no, you can't do that because alignment reason here, instead of a more, I think, intuitive, more interesting and intriguing way of, okay, but there's going to be some consequences down the line that you don't know about right now. That's more interesting. That's expanding the game. I think just telling somebody no reduces the game. And before I get emails, I'm not saying you should never tell your players no. I'm talking about this specific case. Yeah, I had to say no a couple of times so for some really weird things that were being asked to me in PMs. About. I want to be a naked fox person that goes around licking people. Why won't you let me do this? <laughs> Whoa, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, yeah, that's... It was akin. It was akin to that. It was akin to that. It's like, well... Th- th- and then there's always the... Because I don't like to say no. I'm like, sure, let that happen. For about three quarters of a second, then then something horribly goes wrong. Then it's not going to be a, a chaotic good paladin, but maybe perhaps uh, a red dragon looking for a meal. But it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is my response, my in-game appropriate response to what you just did. So let's tie this back to alignment because the developments we're making here, to me, just sound like good storytelling on the GM's part. What exactly does alignment do to foster this philosophy of yes and, essentially? Is alignment really helping us with that, or is it just the fact that you did an evil thing and the repercussion of doing this thing that people are opposed to, regardless of it being evil or not, there are people that exist that are opposed to you killing innocents. They're going to come after you because of that. Where exactly does alignment fall into this? Doesn't that fit anywhere with people with opposed viewpoints? To me, when I use alignment in my game, not as a player, but as a GM, or even when I'm interacting with it as a player and other people, it is good for storytelling to have one-dimensional characters, non-main characters who do something and you kind of always rely on them to do something. It's a factor of storytelling that you have certain immutable things, things that'll never change, so that when you see your heroes change, you have something to compare it to. You need the contrast. It's a storytelling relief to have enemies that are just evil, no questions asked. Demons are always evil, period. That's great. It's also kind of alien to have an entire species that has a certain mindset. That's not human. That is not the human condition. So it's weird to see that in other creatures. Very helpful for mindless creatures. When you have a mindless creature, what am I going to do with it? Okay, I see the alignment here is true neutral. It's just a plant. I see the alignment here is evil for some reason. The gelatinous cube is evil. Okay, I need to know these things. It helps to roleplay a creature with an intelligence score of two. Yeah. You bring up demons. And again, I think alignment works perfectly fine with outsiders who come from the plane of evil and are composed of evil stuff. And that is their existence. I think it works perfectly fine for them. I think it's a good system to use for demons, daemons, inevitables, things like that. And also because you're the one as the GM getting to define what's evil, what's good and all that. You don't have to worry about the nine different opinions of the tale, what good and evil is. You you get to set what is evil for demons or what is good for angels. I yeah, think a lot of times people get to play with that. I've seen storytelling, even in like Diablo, I've seen Tori storytelling with the angels are making terrible decisions because they're lawful good. And yet that that's a little bit of storytelling you get to have to sort of play with that assumption. Yeah. In the... In the- 
example of Diablo, actually, I, I when I would read those the backstory books, I always assumed those angels were not good at all. They mm. were very much neutral in their fight. They were just working on the fight against evil. And interesting from, well, from my campaign, I've just had the thought, I've been working on this last week or so, that I have devils, so from the hells, not from the abyss, because the distinction is very confusing sometimes, but I'm trying to keep it. But that these devils don't have a concept of good, so they don't understand good creatures at all. Hmm. So in they have their their ways of influencing humanity and, and and other races as well and they try to further their agenda but just they just don't have that receptor it's like they can't smell a smell it's they can't grasp that so they would find it straight like almost like how psychopaths work like they don't understand why this is a bad thing you know because they just exist in that plane. So people will attack them and they wouldn't know why, but they'll retaliate, sure. Just like I don't understand what it really is like to touch a woman. So when I take pictures at conventions, I always hover hand. I get it. Okay, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't know the sensation, so you can't you can't interact with it. Yeah. <laughs> what you said actually just, again, made my storytelling mind kind of twist a little bit. Using alignment in your game, how can you use it well? One of the cool things you can do is that your definition of what is good as an angel is different from what sort of the accepted definition of good is as the human. You're letting that debate of what does good really mean transcend the meta table players into the characters of the whole world. And so when the angel goes, I am being good, I'm killing demons. Yes, yeah. there. I had to do it in this human city and we had to level the human city, but you don't understand this is the good act to do. And the humans are saying, no, any good done that results in the loss of innocence is not good. And the humans and angels just can't see eye to eye. Yeah, and that's a really good example as well, because that angel indeed would level that city and kill that demon, which was a lot more important than the the people there. The people would go to the angel and say, what did you just do? Like, that's fine. These, these people die, but their souls live on and they will be reborn because that's, you know, if they were good people, otherwise they're down to hell. But hey, well, so for the angel, there is no the mortality of it all doesn't really matter. So then you get these really scary figures and then, because fear is a wonderful tool in in dungeon mastering, is that you're praying to this god, this deity, whatever, you're getting these powers. As a starting cleric, you won't have any interaction with the actual deity. Maybe at at level 15 or 20 or something, you'll get an actual contact because you're kind of a big deal at, at that point. But let's encounter an angel. Let's encounter a demon. Let's encounter a devil and get confronted by their sense of morality and just how little that you matter and that a demon or a devil could actually help out a party and actually mean well in doing so and actually help them with no well always with strings attached but this is how you drive your players insane because they'll go back to that alignment chart some guy will have the monster manual and leave flip through it and go well wait i could picture this man perfectly yeah it's like wait 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 this guy can't help us and why not because it says lawful evil no and yeah but he has an agenda and he's justifying this with his morality code it's fine but my god's gonna really really dislike it if we help this guy well yeah but it's a means to an end so where does your god put you is your goal more important than you and your belief in your god and does your god care and that's 
where you end the session and let him think about it for a week. And then maybe they can commune with the god and he gives some sort of like cryptic answer. And you could be like, oh no, I don't understand. The lamb's wool is only half wet. I didn't, this wasn't one of the three options I gave him. Yeah. And the, the gods go, <laughs> yeah, sure. Forget about it, huh? Dude, I am so busy. You think I even noticed you? I had yeah. to give you powers because I have a quota. I have to do 5,000 people a year. That's it. You were random. I didn't even know you believed in me. Yeah, otherwise I only get 75 <laughs> souls a week, you know? It, I, I need to keep spending this stuff. <laughs> oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just playing some role-playing games. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice, and join us. All right, Christian, you come across an obviously important character to the plot. What do you do? I immediately shoot him in the face. Ugh, Christian. Let me, let me throw a wrench in this with the Paladin Code of Torag. <laughs> a wrench in this pile of wrenches? I don't know yes. what you're throwing a wrench in. <laughs> this is the wrench that broke the camel's back. <laughs> this is the Paladin Code of Torag. I forget which book is this is from. Torag is the dwarven deity, like the de facto dwarven lawful good deity. So lawful good, he kind of creeps into the evil category. Paladin Code, Torag. I am at all times truthful, honorable, and forthright, but my allegiance is to my people, aka dwarves and not orcs. I will do what is necessary to serve them, including misleading others if need be. Against my people's enemies, orcs, I will show no mercy. I will not allow their surrender, except when strategy warrants. Haha. <laughs> so, is that lawful good just because we're being told it's lawful good? Can we not argue against that? I think misleading people isn't a lawful good thing. But if it's in the end to serve your own people, the dwarven people, does the ends justify the means? Yeah, and this is where I've been, ever since this topic was given to me, I was thinking about it. This is that god's version of good, and you follow that version of good. So it might for another, and this is how you get religious war, because your good is not my good. And I think that's how you settle that. And also I believe that paladins are almost never actually good, except in the eyes of of their god, and even then, they're basically instruments of, they're blunt force instruments, basically. Doesn't that fly in the face, though, of what we're being told from the very beginning, by the definition of alignment in the Pathfinder rulebook, that alignment, good and evil, are immutable, definitive things? Now we're saying they're not. Good might not be the same good as someone else's good. Because I, I like that version much better, but what we're being told by the rules is that good is definitive. Is Torai good? In his eyes, yes. And in the players... But there, there is no... It's not his perspective. It's just good as a thing. Period. Maybe that's that's the, the twist at the end, where you have a party of good players, all with their different deity, and in the end, they realize that in each person individually is actually a horrible human being, or a horrible 
dwarven being. <laughs> Together, they collectively realize we're all just murder hobos. Yeah. <laughs> but just with different mechanics. But is that not what the game enables foremost above all? <laughs> because, hey, guess what? <laughs> Goblins are people now. Kobolds as well. Oh, no. <laughs> How dare you circle yeah. off my podcast? But, hey, <laughs> they're, not. they're a playable race. So, hey, there's some moral energy there somewhere. Eventually, f- f- people are going to be asking for null PCs, which is like the only low-level group of things that you can slaughter without any sort of remorse, thanks to you, Nago. Johan, I've got some news for you. We've been asking for null PCs since day one. Of course you have, but but then we're, we ran out. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> No more. <laughs> Too many adventurers killed. There's no more gnolls left. Yeah, the gnolls they ran out. Stick. You know how expensive hyenas are? Too many World of Warcraft players had to collect five hides. They're just gone. <laughs> this, this, this is actually hilarious. I I justify the fact that gnolls are in my setting, in my, I, my temperate Western Europe type climate. Yeah. There can't be any hyenas there. So I'm I, in my backstory, I'm in my lore, I'm actually having a cult import hyenas because we need gnolls because i ran out of everything else to kill so it's fine <laughs> that's fine. otherwise we just default and bash it yeah they're in i think i think some of what i just heard you guys two going back and forth about is sort of the when you look far enough left and far enough right the two look the same how different were hitler and stalin really when you look at their actions even though they had the absolute opposite, quote-unquote, ideals from each yeah, other. they reached to the same ex- extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think as well that the, the basis of the whole game, of any RPG really that we're playing, is it defaults to easily consumable pulp fantasy. And, or even, you know, your, the comic books, US comic books, yeah? Marvel and DC. It's easy enough. The moral quandary can be distilled to good bad and a little bit of neutral in there for those who want to be edgy and say oh i don't know i don't care okay fine here's your neutral but if you ever start caring about anything then you're out of that alignment that's it yes no maybe that's the options that the book gives that's the basis and then of course you have inspired dungeon masters and game masters and people who want to write this fantasy book at one point and they say no this will not do I will give this the depth that it deserves. And then you start moving away from that. But at the start, what, like you said, in the book, in the real book, it's good is good, bad is bad. All right. If from a Western point of view, probably, there you go. To make it easy at the start. Oh, my goodness. I, I realize now why alignment is just so longstanding. Anyone can argue about alignment. And there's so much material. We are an hour into this podcast. Anyone can argue about alignment and sound intelligent. It's so easy. I know. <laughs> We, we, we made the dumbest examples. It was like, let's tie it back to Hitler and Stalin. Like, oh, this is stupid. This is also stupid. <laughs> None of this actually plays a factor in any of my games I've ever played. It's a trap. It's a DM trap. <laughs> well, let's talk about some things that do play a factor into the Pathfinder RPG Flanking set. rules. There- <laughs> All right, a gargantuan creature. How exactly do I flank it? There are some alignment-based mechanics that are beyond just a simple word on your character sheet and how you should roleplay. They actually affect different mechanical things in the game. So let's talk about a few of them. For example, there's DR that affects alignment, weapon enchantments, and spells that do damage to things of certain alignment, these sort of things. Are these good or bad? Well, it says so in the book, doesn't it? <laughs> are these good or evil? Are they chaotic or neutral? This is what I'm asking. No. Do you, do you 
I guess, like these mechanics that you can have a, a, a bane of evil sword or DR that can only be overcome by good alignment. Those sort of things. It makes sense for outsiders, and I think for outsiders, it's fine. I don't really restrict it because I typically don't need to. It's very rare that a player gets some sort of DR slash good, and if they do, it's typically because they are of a deity-based class. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it. Are, are there Asimar? So the whole reason that that exists is that's coming from the Outer Plains, which is perfectly acceptable. You can get, like, a Bane evil weapon, and now every beast that is thrown at them, you check, you have to check their alignment. That's a heavy mechanic. I've been throwing around the idea of a barrier that could only be passed by good creatures, and if somebody mm -hmm, bumps definitely. into it, then, you know, right, impress me, player. You know, like, in that moment. Yeah, it's, it's sticky to just, especially after the conversation we just had, where we'd rather not have it buttoned down so specifically there is indeed these things in the game that want to use it so do you sidestep it or do you mellow it out or make it make it a role make it a, an inspiration thing where you say okay i like to keep it in for these specific things like the dr the weapon enchantment holy bane of evil whatever that kind of stuff i think they're fine uh i think there's i can give you a shorter list of the things i don't like there's some restrictive ones such as you can only take this trait or play this class if you have a certain alignment. I think that's kind of dumb. The only exception I take with that is the Paladin, and that is only because there is another class called the Anti-Paladin, and there's the Hell Knight Prestige classes. Those are very specifically about lawful, it's about evil, and it's about chaotic. So I understand that. But even like the cleric, I'll let you be a cleric of any deity's alignment. That doesn't matter to me. Class restrictions, things restrictions like that, I, I don't care much about. Uh, maybe even sort of like feet. I don't know if there's many, but there may be a few like feet restrictions. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah. But other than that, all other alignment-based game mechanics specifically seem fine to me. Things like you can only worship a deity a step away from your alignment seem fine to me. I'd probably let my players do it anyway if they wanted to play, worship somebody who was a little bit farther away from them. But these things, they're fine to me. I like them. I think they add way more than they take away in the game. I think, let's say that you give a weapon like this, or let's say a weapon that can only be used by an evil creature or whatever and someone's been slipping and you have to talk to the person first like okay this is an option because once you do this and you accept the fact that yes this is now you are now an evil creature it might be a nice um announcement wake up call yeah like hey listen you can do this you can actually grab this and either the player goes oh okay no 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 well, let's try and uh save our character it's the moment when you realize you can lift thor's hammer or you know when uh, join me and together we will rule the, the galaxy kind of thing like oh oh this is on the table now this is how far we've gone <laughs> i didn't know it was that bad but here's darth vader offering me a galaxy i remember we were i was playing a game and i'm like what the heck why is my ac so low because i just got hit by something i'm like oh that's not gonna hit oh no no that, that does hit me and I'm, I'm like looking over my character sheet like three people's turns are still going and they're they're moving way beyond me i'm like what is wrong i'm not even pitching the game where i'm like what happened to me i'm like oh no i realized it i'm wearing robes of the arch magi they have different colors based on different alignments my alignment shifted away from the robe I don't get any benefits of the robe, which included AC, extra spells, all sorts. The robes of Arch Magi are fantastic. And now they don't work for me. That was a wake-up call. I think for the rest of the session, I did, like, really good things so I could shift my alignment back to good. Yeah, voila, there you go. That's <laughs> the perfect happening. thing. That's, that is exactly 
how these things should be used. They shouldn't just be mm -hmm. tossed out there as just another item or just another thing. It needs to be, if you bring it up, like, okay, everyone, you've all been naughty. We're bringing out the alignment. No, not the alignment. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, this is now a real thing. This is happening. I, I had a player who was notoriously uh, kind of a, an antagonist uh, is, is the nicest way to say something mean about somebody. And he looted an angel. They kind of were in an aftermath of a war versus angels and demons. And everyone else had like, let's not loot the dead. But he was like, oh, look, angel armor. And he was a bad guy. So... I'm like, all right, you, you put on the armor, and then every time he took a bad action, the armor would uh, hurt him in some way, would, <laughs> would make him regret it, and make him know, I was warned by an angel, and angels don't do this thing. I didn't, like, take away his AC bonus. I made it gradually, like, he did something bad. I said, you take 1d6 points of damage, your armor tightens on you. And he was like, what? I guess I got hit by a hammer. Next time he did something, you take 2d6. Next time, 3d6, 4d6, 5d6. He ended up figuring out what's happening. <laughs> He wants to wear the armor, then you've got to play the game. Maybe your alignment it doesn't have to be lawful good, but you better act like a lawful good person. Uh, as to the definition of an angel, and there you don't have to worry about the definition because you have another creature to base the definition on. What an angel think lawful good yeah. is. A, a, ra a radiant shock color, that's great. Paladins are the one that always cause like the most dissent here. So if I'm a paladin, I'm an anti-paladin. Paladins are lawful good. Anti-paladins are chaotic evil. Many people ask, why can't I just be a neutral good paladin? Why can't I worship a neutral good deity? Why can't I worship a chaotic good deity? And it raises the question, if I'm a lawful good person, and I am adhering through my lawfulness to the tenets of a chaotic good deity, aren't I chaotic now? Because I'm following the tenets of Although I'm being lawful in the fact that I'm following these tenets, these tenets are telling me to be chaotic. And the answer, according to Anti-Paladin, is you are still lawful good. Because an Anti-Paladin literally has a code of conduct that they have to follow to keep their powers, but they're chaotic <laughs> evil and it makes no sense and I hate it. Yeah, it's a little... <laughs> you have to be ex-evil to keep your hands of corruption's ability. Otherwise, you lose it. That's lawful. You're following tenets. That is the definition of lawful. I don't understand. And you're telling me I can't be a chaotic good paladin? Then what is happening? What's this law of gravity? No, I think I'll cast fly. Thank you very much. I am not a lawful person. <laughs> I think actually, I, I never really thought that. It's an interesting sort of dynamic you just mentioned. I wonder if it would make a little more sense if just like paladins just have to be good and anti-paladins just have to be evil and then they can't be flexible with the other three traits. And then I guess for uh, Hell Knights, they just have to be chaotic. How about, against chaotic, lawful, how lawful. about if you are a chaotic evil paladin, right? And you don't follow... Again, this is this is a story solution. This is not a rule solution, right? You don't follow your evil deity's ways. Well, then a portal opens up and you suddenly get a demonic fist in your face. <laughs> just, a, just a punch out of nowhere. Yeah. What was that for? Because the, the way the abyss and the evil uh, demons work, the chaotic evil demons, is that they are purely based on strength and about um, on power and about you know who can beat who at one point so if you are going to follow that as a mortal then what's going to happen you're going to be beaten into submission basically that's that's the only thing that could happen there or just okay no more powers for you sorry 
you're now a commoner. Here's the thing. We keep coming up with these clever solutions. Well, you, Johan, keep coming up with these clever solutions that are outside of the rules of alignment, which is why I don't think alignment is useful. We keep coming up with better solutions than what alignment says. What alignment says is that if you're not X evil enough, guess what? You didn't follow the code of being an anti-paladin, you lose all your powers. You still have all your class levels, but you don't get any of the powers of being an anti-paladin, which is boring. It's not inducive to a good role-playing or storytelling experience. I don't think alignment does anything to help you tell a good story. I think with... Are you, are you talking about alignment in general or alignment as mechanics? Alignment as... In general, I guess I would say. Okay. Because I, I, I would... I think you you said something too stark. I think we already saw here. We came up with a couple cool stories based on alignment. You can tell certain good stories about people who think they're doing good with like the angel who think he's doing good, but other people don't see that perspective. I don't I don't want to say it's it, it can't be helping you tell stories. I think it can have some pitfalls. But I, I want to put a button on the on the mechanics discussion before we really answer your question and sort of conclude this episode. I want to illustrate something. I had a player who had a gun with an enchantment that did extra damage versus evil creatures. It was the holy enchantment, I believe. He was a new player, so there was a point where he was confused why he didn't get the extra damage versus something he thought was obviously an evil character. I had to explain to him that it's not just a life concept but a game mechanic as well, and the evil and the holy part of his enchantment was talking about the mechanic. I look on the bestiary entry, and I see that the creature wasn't evil. It was neutral, or it was good. So these mechanic things, when you draw the line of the difference between what is the higher echelon of thought, the idea of a life concept as opposed to mechanic, when you draw that line, I love the mechanics— uh, we kind of didn't get here because we were kind of jumping around, but Christian, you, you gave like a counterpoint to one of my things here in the notes about how I told people that I don't I don't mind having to only be one step away from the alignment. And you're like, well, I understand that when you gain a holy benefit from a deity, but if you can't, you just worship any god you want. I'm like, yeah, I agree. Sometimes you'll find these things, but I think in general, when you look at in the Pathfinder RPG, you look at alignment-based mechanics, they're clear and they're not subjective. You look, it's a Bane evil weapon. The person's evil. It's written on their character sheet. It's written on the bestiary. It's clear. The DR says good. You have an axio, axiom weapon, whatever the enchantment's called, that does good. These things are clear. They make sense. I like the clear alignment-based mechanics as opposed to the higher ideas. So going back to the higher ideas part here, I want to bank off of what Christian just said, and I want to ask a question that I think old-school RPGers it's difficult for them to ask, but I think as us not being so tied to the old tradition, having been newer to the game, I think it might be easier for us to ask and it to not be so uh, apocryphal, uh, so uh, anathema, is does alignment actually add anything to the game? If you removed it, would you be missing anything of value in terms of RP or mechanics? My personal opinion is no. You can completely remove alignment and you will have a great game. I've played many games without alignment or with alternate alignment rule sets. I, in particular, love the loyalty rule set to replace alignment that we'll be talking about in the 400 series. At its best, as Caleb said earlier, you don't need alignment because it's a crutch, and you take it away and you basically ignore it. At worst, it is a harmful tool, especially when it comes to new players that don't fully understand the both mechanical and role-playing meaning of alignment, because ultimately it's meaningless, and it almost always becomes a restriction or limiter on their character's actions. So it's either doing nothing or it's being harmful. 
take it away. That's my opinion. I would say it does add things to the game, and we would be missing something of value if we removed it. As a GM, it's helpful for me to make characters and start them off on an alignment. Later on, I add more nuance, but when my players encounter the group of demons, I'm cool with just making them act like their stereotypical alignment and letting my players be able to walk into that counter, knowing that, knowing that they don't have any qualms killing demons or whatever, devils. You need the one-note characters to have a base to compare main characters who are more flushed out, and the alignment really helps you get those one-note NPCs for your players to play off of. I let, will. Let me let me ask Caleb. Can you have one-note characters outside of alignment? Yes, but just like I can have a character without a character sheet, but the character sheet sure does help me out. Just because I don't need it doesn't mean it's not helpful to me. I don't really need a plunger, but guess what? When you want when when you want one, you want one. It's better than your hand. But it, what is it adding to that? What is it adding to a one-note character? A character sheet's obviously adding a lot. It's adding the entire base of the rules you need to act out that character. It helps give you a frame of reference of how you will act them out. When you go back to it, just like players aren't the only people who have trouble role-playing sometimes. Sometimes as a GM, you need to have something to base it on to say this is exactly how this character is going to act. If you don't, sometimes you might fall into the trap I did where a lot of my NPCs kind of were the same because I was improving on each of them and they all kind of just seemed meh. I myself will only play with people who are avoiding the traps alignment has. I understand that it does have traps, but that's the same thing with, I think, anything really. And any good thing has has traps in it for you to avoid. It, I think it places you in danger of being the one-dimensional and not as deep character. It's why I use it for those people. I think it has a high danger of being restrictive instead of conducive to role-playing, especially from the player perspective. But I don't think that's a reason to throw it out. And we're going to have all debates and questions about what that means and what for your alignment should be. That's why at my table, I don't let other players say to other players, I don't think that's how your alignment would act. I have had occasion people say, I'm not sure your character would act that way when you know each other well enough, but we're talking characters, not alignment. We've transcended like that step above. But just because some of these problems exist doesn't mean I think we should throw them out. To summarize, it's for me, in my opinion, helpful for new players, helpful to get you start base off, helpful for GMs, for NPCs, whether they be OneNote or Outsiders. And they think the mechanics that are based in them, aside from a few exceptions, are good and add to the game. Huh? I've come to a, a rather interesting conclusion right now as you were saying that. Because as you were talking about fleshing out characters and just grabbing the alignment as a as a uh, a go-to to base a character off, what what this really is is a a reference for realism. Because that's the one thing that I think new players will be surprised at when you show them the alignment chart is oh, there is something in between good and absolute evil. There are the mm. different types of good, different types of evil, and even something in between that doesn't choose a side. It is not just Bob sci-fi hero slays the evil beast. No, that evil beast had feelings and you heard it. Um, that's the thing. How far do you want to take the realism? Do you Because as I said before, goblins are people now. Do you want to give these goblins a culture and actually are they going to say something back? Or are just they just going to be blinded by chaotic evil and just attack you because because then they wouldn't retreat, they wouldn't think, they wouldn't they would just simply want you dead, and there is nothing else in their universe than your head on a spike. So the further you go in developing your personal game and your world to realism, the further away from uh, the alignment mechanics you will get. Because even because this is then you go to writing instead of being a DM. 
is that everybody is now tired of the stereotypical bad guy. There needs to be motivation. It all needs to be Game of Thrones, right? Even the most evil Lannister will have his uh, redemption arc. Even though they've done horrible things, now, oh, we kind of like that person now, So all of a sudden, because of reasons. Because of the realism written into the character. So, you can lead with alignment and say, pick that one and be the good guy or whatever, and then just ease it off. And I think it would then be disingenuous to say, oh, by the way, because you're not perfectly good anymore, here, uh, you can't break this barrier, this sword hates you, or this and this. That would be, you know, if you're going for a purely realistic setting, which is hard and I'm, I'm trying, that would be a weird thing to do. But, you know, fun game mechanic that sort of destroys your suspension of disbelief. I feel like we've all grown as people today. I feel we've all... <laughs> actually been lawful good because we've been able to no, uh, <laughs> we've all listened to each other one thing christian asked uh, or at one point when we were making the notes when you first started the notes he goes should we just start writing each alignment and talk about what that sort of looks like and and i kind of said no i think that kind of goes against what our opinions are in this in this episode but it did get me to think about one thing and that is there are the kind of people who are going to argue over alignment are the kind of people who argue over whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. So I looked up a chart and guess what guys? I found an alignment chart for sandwiches. That's right. In the end, after all this, we're talking about how this affects our game and and, and this and that. It is just fun sometimes to look at characters who are part of your favorite piece of pop culture and put them into an alignment chart. A lot of characters are made to be one note and you can put them in a box. And once you have sort of the fun is a hot dog, a sandwich argument with your friends, whether or over is Batman lawful good or chaotic good or neutral good. And some guy goes, I actually think he's lawful evil. And then you have all these sort of fun discussions. So here we go. Here is the sandwich alignment chart. Neutral good. A chip buddy is a chip buddy. Wait a second. I need to stop everyone right here. What's a chip buddy? This is not written in America. Christian, what's a chip buddy? Is those fries and ketchup in between bread? Looking at the picture, I believe that's what it is. <laughs> oh, no. What is this? This is a sandwich. I'm already disagreeing with this chart. What? Get out of my face. I don't like this. This makes me deeply uncomfortable. Now, I also find the point of offense here. As, as you might not know, I'm actually from Belgium. And the, the thing they're doing with the waffle, stereotypically, I am going to have to disagree with what they're doing with that ice cream and waffle there. The waffle is not genuine anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> so this is our ingredient rebel structural neutral. Our neutral evil is the it's, yeah. <laughs> ice cream taco. It, it's, not about it's, the it's not about the stereotype. It's that they're using the wrong stereotype. <laughs> I love this so much. This chart makes my day. Yeah, this this summarizes it nicely, yeah. <laughs> my favorite is in the bottom right, the structure rebel, ingredient rebel, the evil, chaotic evil. A Pop-Tart is a sandwich. <laughs> I love this so much. Oh, this is so great. And but this is this is literally what people are arguing about though. It's like I was the Gary Gygax of making sandwiches. I made this classification of sandwiches that's based on ingredients. 
but not based on preparation or presentation. That's stupid. A grilled cheese sandwich is different than just a cheese sandwich. But I was the first person to do it, and now everyone forever for the next 20, 30 years are arguing about the validity of my sandwich system. Yeah, I feel bad for Gary. He just wanted to play Conan. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get to the argument of what alignment is Conan the Barbarian. No one can agree. (laughs) Yeah, he just killed people, man. He just killed people. Or what class was he because he was technically a thief and not a fighter or a barbarian no and that's how you carry on and then sadly however in a actual game then you are the dm and say haha but you see i am god and i have decided it is this way that is true whenever somebody's like i don't aren't goblins in the bestiary true neutral or something i'm like shut up and not in my world i made this for you play in it or leave no no the best one is saying, oh yes, you're absolutely completely right. And it's true for all goblins, except the ones you're fighting right now. <laughs> what the, you, you might as well just stick your middle finger up and wave it in their faces. Oh yeah, you that. see a cloud formation up high, suddenly forming the shape of a hand. <laughs> and he picks up a giant boulder and carves it into a d20 and rolls it. Uh, rocks fall literally. It's a d20. It's a rock. Um, <laughs> there, there's another one here. I, I I linked in the show notes here, guys. I'll I'll put it in for you. And that is, what do you do with bread after you've opened it? This was fantastic as well. Lawful good using a bread box. Neutral good using a bag clip. Chaotic good using the bottle hack. I hate that so much. Lawful neutral. This one disgusts me. Reusing the bag clip. No one, get out of here. I don't like What's you. What's wrong if, with that? If you're lawful neutral, don't be my friend. I refuse. <laughs> I refu- If you do this, you're a psychopath. There's something truly wrong in your head. Then I'm keeping your bread preserved? How dare oh, I? Oh, yeah, there's there's nine different ways, Christian, and that one's the worst. <laughs> True neutral rubber band. Also get out of my house. Why didn't you go around find a rubber band? All right, chaotic neutral. Here's me, the twist and tuck. Give it a little twist, tuck it underneath. That's what normal people, that's what red-blooded Americans do right there, all right? I don't know how you do things over in Bulgaria or Belgium or somewhere over there in the land that doesn't matter. This is what you need to do. Correction, the land that doesn't exist. (laughs) How's that European Union working out for you? (laughs) Lawful, how's it? Do you guys have a stable government yet? How's that working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) How long have you had the same government for now? Oh, for since last we talked, I think, which is quite a while. Oh, that's (laughs) <laughs> Holland almost That's broke awesome. our records, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's just Belgium, then Iraq, and then Holland in g- g- countries that didn't have a government for the longest. Lawful evil tying a knot. That is evil. Now I have to break it open again, and I can't. After I break that open, I can't retie that into a knot. You're making problems for me. Evil. Wait, how is, that worse, how is that worse than the bag? Cl- how is it not worse than the bag clip? I don't understand Cri- your logic here. All right, Christian, you don't understand. You don't reuse the bag clip. It's what do you annoying. do with the bag it, clip? It takes too much time. It's too much. You're ch- oh, you because throw you're, away the bag clip. It's a piece of disposable plastic. It's, it's not l- lined with platinum and gold. It's crap. You throw it away. You twist and you tuck. It's literally designed to be easily removed from the bag. What kind of raptor hand trouble are you having? But when you removing put it back the bag, stuff and you lose it and you drop it beneath the refrigerator. Now you got to move the refrigerator, which is not easy because whoever made the cord on my refrigerator made it about three inches. So I move it all of a sudden, I unplug it, and I've got to like the, I, I lose all my food is spoiled because you don't want to twist and tuck. And that's the paladin that follows you after using that freaking wand. Him. That's him, the freaking bread bag paladin. That's the one that's going after you. 
There is no reasoning. There is only death. I'm going to put you in a bread box. <laughs> You'll never escape. I think it's only fitting that we end this episode with me yelling. I think that's part of our history, Johan. I think it's... I think it's perfect. Yes, I bring it out of you. I want to thank you so much for coming on as a guest. We appreciate it. We always appreciate uh, you having voiced uh, at the end of every episode. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, no worries. And uh, yeah, this was fun. This was less chaotic (laughs) than I thought. (sighs) I was prepared for much worse. Much worse. I feel like we didn't get anything done. I feel like we just perpetuated <laughs> the argument of alignment and made no headway at all. But that, like I said, it's <laughs> a trap. A it's a trap. This is what the topic does. You make a video, <laughs> you make a podcast, and you do not further the argument. This is the perpetual hell that DMs will always find themselves in. <laughs> the only way we could break the cycle, Caleb, is not releasing the episode. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't. I've made content. You think I have the time to, to come up with something else? <laughs> Someone on our Discord wrote, I won't fight for it being a good system. It's not a good system, but it's a system that sparks a lot of fights, questions, and confusions. And based on this quote alone, I have turned around on alignment. I love it. I love the system 10 out of 10 more arguments every day. <laughs> Johan, uh, if people want to hear more of you, where can they go to get you? Not 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 steal you. Let me rephrase that instead of somebody. <laughs> I'm not encouraging our listeners to Nobody will you. ever find Belgium anyway. If people anyway. want to find more of your content, where can they go? Well, currently a bit of a hiatus, but there will be more Brood War videos and all that on the YouTube slash Greth SC, because that's still StarCraft. Other than that, I might start publishing my D&D game as a podcast, not as a visual thing, because I use too much theater of the mind. But um, yeah, when we... <laughs> I get permission from all the people that have already left the game. Only two, actually. That's fine. There you go. I'll be floating around. I have a a rather large Discord as well that doesn't get anything done for for StarCraft. But uh, yeah, there you go. Can I just say that I am deeply envious of your Discord? I create content. I'm trying to create a community based off of this. And you just play StarCraft with a couple friends. And now you have like 100 people on your Discord. And it's sure. Great uh, it's 800 actually. But um... and you say and you say hiatus. It's you're constantly like, hey, I'm back. Three weeks later, hasn't been a video. Four months go by. Yeah, and goes by but I, somehow your Discord goes off to the heavens in their list of people and it upsets me. I have a problem with jealousy and you're not making it no, better. But the, 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 let me make it worse. I've actually, okay. I've continuously updated my channel for a good amount, for a year almost, but then work and flew and flew again. So that's that's how I ate this has happened. I ate high, whatever. But the thing is, I've been doing this for now officially a decade. It's, it's really scary. And the people that I dragged along into that Discord are mostly the uh, the soulless mob that has been dragged along the Broodwar path for the last decade since StarCraft 2 was announced and, you know, the banshees and the, the empty souls that have been expunged from the StarCraft 2 universe now that it's all hip and cool and esports. The, the fallen folk, let's say. So don't envy them. You're right. I should never... What mistake did I just make to envy StarCraft Brood War players? Exactly. You're right. We've been <laughs> betrayed so many times. I mean, there's so many tropes that could be connected to them. It's, <laughs> it is sad. They will envy you when you finally expire and, you know, go to the afterlife. The Brood War player will always remain in a, such a channel. First it was IRC, <laughs> now Discord. They simply, the souls simply move on to the next <laughs> Shuffle cage. On. Yeah. 
admit it. You cast Raise Dead. It was an evil act. I knew it. You're, you're neutral evil. I knew it. That's what I pegged you at from the start. Oh, what alignment would I be? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is the end of the episode. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening. Hey, Andrew. You want to play some D&D tonight? No. I, I can't. You're not real. None of this is real. 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 Mental divergence can be a tricky situation, but we here at Tales from the Lich can be your hand in the infinite darkness. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com.